What's up, mom and dad? Welcome back to the Raising Competitors podcast, your weekly show for lessons, strategies, and insights in how you can teach your young athlete grit, growth mindset, gratitude, pursuing greatness, and leadership to groom others. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm the founder of Compete Every Day and your host here at the Raising Competitors podcast. I'm, I'm just excited. How's your week going? How have you been able to take some of the lessons from our previous episodes and try applying them at home? If you're on our email newsletter, I love hearing from you each and every week, questions about the content that we're sharing, feedback about how the lessons you're getting are working. One of the ones that stood out in recent weeks is a, a mom emailed me about her daughter on a soccer team hadn't gotten the playing time she expected that day. It's one of those incredibly frustrating moments, not only as a parent because you want to see your kid on the field, but as a player, you want to be out there. But what that mom saw was an opportunity to talk about what are the things that we can control. We control our attitude. We control our responses. We control what we focus on. And it was in that experience, the mom and daughter got to have this discussion about if she couldn't control her playing time in that moment, what could she control? how hard she worked in practice, how well she encouraged her teammates. And honestly, just having an adult conversation with her coach, going up as a player to ask her coach what she can do better, what she can improve on in practice, maybe with the strategy, the game plan, maybe her effort, so that she can play more next time. See, it's in these moments that we're provided the opportunity to help our kids understand how life is going to work, that sometimes we're going to have that job that just sucks And we struggle in it. But what are the things that we control in that job? We control our attitude, how we're going to respond to people. What do we choose to focus on? And where are we taking action? It's the things that set us up for success in life that many times we learn on the sports field. And so if you're not on our email list, I'd encourage you to check it out, raisingcompetitors.com. Members get an email every single week for less than two cups of coffee. It helps keep my coffee pot full of of writing to all of you. Uh, But honestly, memberships start at less than $10 a month. You can sign up for an entire year and get two months free. But with that membership, you'll get an email every week with lessons and activities you can start applying at home. You'll get bonus content. Every one of our podcast guests, we dive into specific topic or activity that they're implementing at home that you can implement at home. And of course, we have our community. We have a private Facebook community of parents, people just like yourself that are wanting to set their kids up for success in school, sports, and life without being that snowplow parent that's just pushing every obstacle out of their way. How can we help them? while still teaching them grit and growth mindset. And so if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, check out RaisingCompetitors.com. If you're not sure about the membership, don't worry. We offer a seven-day free trial so you can sign up, dive into the content, start checking out some of the lessons and past emails we have, as well as get connected. And then finally, if you decide, hey, the membership right now is not for me, still sign up. You'll get an email every single month with one of our lessons and an activity. So you're not completely missing out on all the fun of all the other bonus content material. You can still start investing in your competitor until you're ready to make that membership step. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me, jake at raisingcompetitors.com. And you're probably wondering what's going to happen with the show today because this is probably my longest intro we've had to date. But I want to tell you about today's guest. She is a dear friend of mine. Her name is Lauren Teague. She's a social media pro, marketing consultant, entrepreneur, 
speaker, podcast host, and full-time mom of three. Lauren and I did our keynote professional speaking training together a few years ago and just immediately hit it off. She's got a great story, which we dive into about her work with the PGA Tour and now her work as a speaker and social media consultant in a number of spaces. But we talk about how her and her husband balance both of their work and travel with raising their kids. We talk about the importance of the lessons that her mom and dad taught her that have instilled the the type of work ethic that she has today that's made her so successful in her personal and professional life. And then we talk about how she's raising her kiddos, how she's teaching her kids certain examples on the golf course and in life. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Lauren Teague. And I'm just glad that you get to meet her too, because she's a dear friend of mine. So now let's kick off this brand new episode of the Raising Competitors podcast with Lauren Teague. Welcome back, everyone. High fives and welcome to good friend Lauren Teague. Lauren, how are you today? Hi, Jake. I'm so happy to be on your new podcast. So we've had to reschedule this a couple of times. The last time I was in a noisy coffee shop and headsets and everything were just not working. And so now the home office, you are in your office as well. So we should have no interruptions barring a UPS delivery where my dogs go absolutely bananas. Uh, But I'm so excited to have you on today. So before we dive into your amazing just career and and family and life, give everyone a brief snapshot of who you are right now as both consultant, speaker, uh, but help us get to know you just a little bit and then we're going to roll in. Okay. I am Lauren. I am at Lauren T. Teague across the socials. Um, I have had a few different social names over the last, uh, what, 15 years as I went from college student to NBA intern to like startup PR professional to social media person at the PGA Tour and the voice of PGA Tour social media for seven seasons. Um, And then I've spent the last four and a half years um, kind of on my own and consulting with um, both my own clients and on behalf of Convince and Convert Consulting, which is led by the phenomenal Jay Bear, who's a best-selling author and keynote speaker and mentor of mine. So um, that's professionally what I've been up to. I live in Oregon with my husband and now our three children. Sometimes I still catches me off guard (laughs) when I say that. They are ages one, three, and five. This year they'll turn uh, to the even numbers. So I guess there'll be two Um, four and six by the time the September rolls around, which is also crazy because it goes so fast. Um, So I'm part-time, well, I'm full-time mom, uh, full-time entrepreneur, speaker, um, podcast host, like pretty much the way that I've gotten to design my dream job of my 30s is to take on everything I can while still maintaining some balance for my family. Um, So it's been pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, so one of the things, because you just, what you just mentioned about creating the dream job by taking on everything you can at one, have you always had that personality and approach to life in terms of just any opportunity I can get my hands on and go, or were you very selective once you were getting out of college and your internship with the NBA? Um, I've always been very driven. I'm pretty sure my mom would 
attest to that. Um, and I blame her a little bit because she always kind of pushed me to tell me that I could do anything that I wanted, right? That the sky was the limit. So she gave me the gift of vision and, um, but also I think my dad showed me that hard work breeds success. Um, and I remember having a conversation with him as we were talking about paying for college. And he said, well, I could take out all the loans for you and pay for this for you. You'll appreciate it more if I don't do that. <laughs> like if you, if you earn it, if you work for it, if you pay for it, you will have a different appreciation for what you accomplish. And I, so I, I think that I've kind of maintained some sort of balance between both, right? Like I can do anything that I am capable, I can put my mind to, but I also understand that like with that comes a lot of work to get to the level of success or, um, you know, fulfillment that that brings. So um, I always, I'm pretty selective and strategic about the things that I do go after, but a lot of it is, is as much following my heart and being interested in following those interests and passions as it is about being smart about what, what's a good opportunity for me. Uh, and one of the things that I've always noticed about you in, in terms of your, uh, the way you carry yourself and the way you handle is you also invest heavily in the relationships at each of those points along the way, regardless of whether it's the PGA, whether it's your MBA internship, whether it's now at Convince and Convert or, or out on your own speaking. What initially led you down the path of investing so much in building relationships with those people? Because you spend a lot of time in the sports space, which is very relationship driven industry, but going into it, was that your approach? I've always, I probably have just always been an, um, you know, a people person as well. So I'm very um, driven to, to have like some sort of connection with someone. So I don't love email. I don't love voicemail. Those things that kind of you can do without, you know, like a one-to-one -one interaction without um, having some sort of, you know, face-to-face -face communication. That's why I'd, I'd always Skype or do a video call rather than leave a voicemail or, um, or an email. So uh, I find uh, it so fascinating. I think, sure. I think that's partly just my personality. Well, I was going to say, I find that fascinating because you work in the social and digital space now and you do a lot in the, I yes. mean, you were Twitter and, and cover, live coverage of sports with the PGA was a big deal. So you do a lot of that behind the scenes. How do you manage that just personally with having so much passion for the one-on-one -on -one interaction, but still being so heavily involved in the digital and social when a lot of times we're staring at computer screens? Right. I think, though, my philosophy on digital and social is that um, social, especially, is geared to be social, right, in, in interaction. So we always had the mindset at the PJ Tour of, of creating, like, using social to really give a one-to-one -one interaction. Um, so I spent as much time replying to people, like, say, in Twitter about if, if somebody wrote in and said, like, where's my favorite player or what happened to this shot or those things, I spent as much time caring about the responses and the replies and building a sense of community as I did about updating about, like, you know, the, the leaderboard or this sponsored announcement. Um, I really feel like social is best when it's truly a, a social interaction or a way to build community. And I probably, because I came to social through a PR and, and communications lens, lens rather than a marketing lens. So 
paid social is not my favorite, to be honest, because I, I don't like to come at it from a marketing side. Um, and I don't like it to just be turned into billboards. I like social when it's conversation driven, when there's real people and, and you can use online connections then to, uh, to facilitate offline interactions. So some of my favorite people in the whole wide world, I met first on Twitter um, or in social media. And you know, I have actual true friendships and relationships with them, whether I go back to Jacksonville or we, uh, we get together at an event, like if we're speaking, you know, think about um, using Facebook groups and Jake, you and I are on the same, uh, like probably three or four different Facebook groups, right? And I know you, your Compete Everyday group um, has now started to do offline events and interactions. And I can um, only guess like how fulfilling that is for you to see like people actually meeting up and people actually having stories and to share based on just an online interaction. So just because it's online doesn't mean that that's not relationship driven. Uh, I love that. And, and let me ask you, you obviously, you mentioned earlier working with Jay Bear. Did y'all first connect online? Did you start following his work online? God, I don't remember um, what came first, the chicken or the egg. Oh, uh, you set me up so well. I was going to ask, it, like, what? It, okay, so I'm going to put it on you because now you're in this position. You work with Jay, uh, but you've also developed sort of your only client list and you're following. If someone starts following you or someone else out there that they really admire online and they want to start learning from that individual and perhaps connect with them one day, be mentored by them or work with them, what advice do you have now having been on kind of both sides of it? Yeah, definitely reach out in a respectful, like um, honest way. But I started using Twitter in 2007 when you could, you know, write to at Chris Brogan, I just read your blog, but can you explain this to me a little bit more? I really love the piece where you did this. Hey, Peter Shankman saw that, saw that you wrote this and just wanted to give you a high five. Like, so back in the early days of Twitter, it was certainly all about like real true connections. Um, so if, if someone is, if you find someone online um, who can do that, I think everybody still appreciates a, a human connection. You know, like Jay writes in his books, he'll put um, midway through a book, like if you're reading this, like drop me a note. Like if you agree with this, drop me a note. And he'll get an email a week from a reader who maybe is picking up his first book for the first time, you know, one that he wrote eight years ago, but still like, oh, sees that in what, and is compelled to write a, write a note. So um, he reads those. I know like people like Ryan Fianzo read their DMs and their mentions and things. I pay attention to mine. Um, so if you hit me in a spot where, where I will see it, um, I try to respond to everybody. And I think that that is truly a, you know, one of the, the cool things about the people that, at least that I run around with, that I associate with is that, you know, we understand what it's like to be in a lot of those positions. And most of us still feel like we are at some level, um, you know, just getting started or don't have all the answers. So happy to collaborate. I think most people are. Yeah, I, I love that. Brian actually was listening to Fanzo talk uh, on LinkedIn today or yesterday and was mentioning that he, he notices people that comment and, and DM because he notices how they interact with him too. And he, then when he interacts back, he, he would know if it's someone a little more formal, they've never actually connected or if it's someone that comments all the time, which is awesome because he has a great following and has continued to build his brand up mm -hmm. in the speaking space and consulting space as well. Uh, one of the things right. that you don't, I, yep, go. Oh, all you. Say. Okay. 
I was gonna say, you don't need a CRM if you're close enough to your social media and your, your community or the people that you're connected to. You don't need a, you know, a relationship management tool to know if that is somebody that you've connected with or exchanged DMs with back and forth. Um, you know, you should just know that because you're close to it. You should be playing more in your mentions tab and your engagement tabs than, you know, than your general newsfeed because that's really where the magic happens. I love that point. One of the things for business owners listening to that I found myself guilty of for a while is you try to automate so much stuff because it's, there's so many things to do. It's so overwhelming. But the real growth, like you just mentioned, the real magic is in doing the things that you can't automate, you can't streamline, the uh, the uncomfortable, I guess uncomfortable is not the best word, but the time-consuming task. Yeah, uh, they're definitely time-consuming. Yeah. And you can't outsource that stuff because you don't want to spam it. You want one-on-one -on -one genuine interactions and they take more time, but they're obviously a ton more valuable over the long term of that relationship. So Lauren, switching gears, one of the things that we discussed off air I wanted to hit on is the fact that you and Garrett, both busy professionals, you have three kiddos approaching the ages of two, four, and six. You travel all over. One, how do the two of y'all work well together in terms of balancing the craziness of life with the craziness of travel and work on both of your plates? Um, yeah, so my husband is awesome. Um, I truly, and I tell them this all the time, I could not do this part of my life or my work um, and, and truly follow my dreams um, if I didn't have him as like an equal partner because uh, it doesn't matter who's home or who's in charge. Like, you know, we'll just pick up for where the other person um, isn't at the moment. And if we're together, it's even better, right? Because we'll still balance that just in the car or at home or, you know, if we're driving somewhere, like he drives and I take care of the passengers, right? So that might mean I'm, you know, jumping into the, the back of the minivan to pick up something or to dole out snacks or, you know, do something like that while he's trying to keep us on the road. Um, and if I'm traveling, you know, then he can flex his schedule a little bit to make sure that he's got, you know, kid drop off in the morning and we've got a great daycare that helps us out to getting kids where they need to go. Um, and he gets off a little bit early to make sure that everybody's home. And maybe I've left dinner or maybe I've just left in all the ingredients for you know, the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen. Um, and they'll eat off of that for two or three days, which is fine. So I think um, we've always come at it as equals and as partners. And we just have always picked up. Like I just got a text before we started recording that like, oh, I've got a late meeting tonight. Um, I'll be home a little bit later. Like, yeah, no problem. Like, that's fine. And if the kids ask, you know, then we'll just find something to do or, um, you know, the kids are kind of not used to us being in and out because that's not really the case, but they're pretty flexible too. They know if, if mom's home, she's in charge. If dad's home, he's in charge. And if we're both home, then dad's probably still in charge. <laughs> Would you say communication between the two of y'all is the biggest key to succeeding in this area or is it something else? Uh, probably like an overall sense of the big picture is a bigger key. Um, when he travels, um, or when I travel, we actually don't talk that much. We probably talk less when we're traveling than like, you know, like if we're both home and we're just checking in with each other through the day. Um, probably part of that is because when I met him, he was in the Navy. So we got very comfortable with being okay with our relationship, even if we couldn't talk on the phone more than like once a week. And we could send one email a day to each other, right? So 
we got pretty okay. So I don't need to check in with him, communicate. I do have a list of the things that like he might need to know. We've got a big calendar, so everything's like documented. Um, but I think it's more of like an understanding of like the big picture and the end goal. Um, we, this is a kind of a fun story. We share our anniversary with my parents and my grandparents. We're all married 28 years apart. So kind of the running joke in our relationship is we got married on my grandparents' 56th wedding anniversary. They ended up being married for 61 or 62 years before my grandfather passed. So whenever we get, you know, I, around to anniversary time, we're like, well, we still have that plus 56 more years to go, right? Like we're in, we're in it for the long game. And I think that's true for, you know, a lot of relationships, but a lot of goals too is, is you have to be committed to more of a long range plan and success. Um, and it's nice to have like short milestones to, to keep you engaged. But um, we definitely understand the, the long range plan here. And, and neither of us are going anywhere because we know it's as hard as it, as it is together, it'd be way harder apart. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I appreciate you, you sharing that. That's a great story. Uh, so speaking of that family and the lessons your dad taught you in terms of paying for your own way, what are some ways that y'all are trying to instill those same lessons of hard work uh, and putting forth your best effort in your kiddos because they are still really young at this age? Yeah, they're really young. And our oldest, who is five turning six, is uber competitive. Um, he probably got every competitive juice from me and my husband and mixed together because um, he's insane. And he's also very physically gifted. Um, so he is a good athlete. He's good at a lot of the things that he does, which I think um, magnifies when um, when he doesn't do something right the first time or the fifth time or whatever. And even if he does it right, if it's not exactly how he planned it in his head, you know, that can cause an issue. So um, we're, that's really stumped us in how do we teach him that like, losing is okay, that hard work, you know, has to be part of, of all of this. Um, and so I think just trying to model that for him and then the other, um, the other kids too. So showing them, um, you know, I, I recently rejoined a gym and this gym is very family friendly. So there are mommy and me classes. There is a kids program where you can, your kids can quote unquote work out while you work out. And I'm certainly taking my kids in there because I need them to see that mom works, has to work hard. Mom is not in her best shape and fitness at the moment. Um, and like, but I'm in there, I'm, I'm trying my best. It might not be the fastest or the strongest, or even as good as maybe I could have done, you know, six years ago, pre-kids. Um, but I'm in there and I'm trying and I'm working hard. And so whether that's, you know, at work, whether that's in the gym, whether that's out in the yard, those things, like they understand, they're starting to understand how work happens and what effort, but it's going to be, you know, obviously a lifelong uh, challenge for us to to model those things because um, it's true that this generation that I'm raising that um, our generation will be raising is a much they have a lot of different things than we did as kids and so trying to navigate that both as a parent and trying to put yourself into your kids place and then trying to figure out how you you know how you give them everything without giving them every without them feeling entitled to everything is really really hard. Yeah. And, and one of the things I want to hit on that you said is especially the fact that you can take them with you to the gym. It's like you read the compete blog or something. Uh, we recently talked about 
that kids ages four to seven are two and a half times more active if they're if they see mom is active they're like 3.2 or 3.4 percent uh, more active if they see dad's active and it's 5.8 percent or 5.8 times more active if they see mom and dad and so even just going to the right. gym, even the idea that you're just, you're there, you're working out, you're getting better, them seeing it encourages them to want to start following a similar path. And the, the sooner and the younger they start developing those habits and those uh, skills in that area, the, the longer or the longevity they'll be able to have that healthy lifestyle effort, as well as seeing the points of once they get in there and work, like certain things aren't easy. And yeah. struggling that in a sport is you start to learn in the gym, but just like the sport, you start to little by little, you get a little stronger, you pick up a new skill. So you get those little bitty wins along the way that keep you engaged throughout the process. Yeah. And I'm a golfer. So like we've, you know, there's probably no sport that hits you, knocks you down faster than the game of golf. Um, so, uh, you know, I've taught my kids and am taking them out to play and, and it's true. Like they'll watch you do something and they'll start modeling it immediately something that you're not even teaching like what they can observe from just watching me do something that I love to do and how I do it you know I'll look over two holes later and my son will be lining up a putt the same way or has completely changed his pre-shot routine to look a lot more like mine you know things like that so it's it's pretty crazy how fast that happens and then just knowing that um you know, that they do need to see you active. Like my husband and I met because we played on the same co-ed soccer team. But since we've had kids, we've moved a couple times and, um, you know, having three kids in five and a half years, like there's not a lot of room to go to the gym. So it is important for me now when they are, especially as you said, at that really impressionable, those ages, four, five, six, seven, that they see like not just my husband out coaching soccer or playing, but like me too and us together as a family so that we can be doing more of those things, getting outside, doing hikes, playing sports, um, and just all those things that I remember not always loving when I was little, but appreciating now, looking back on that. So you mentioned golf, and I love the game, but it's one of those where I'll have an entire afternoon of shanks and slices and water bogeys and sand traps, and I'll get one good hit, and I'm like, oh, I'm coming back. How did you handle frustrating days on the course before kids and now when they're with you? How have you been intentional about how you handle those days when ball is just not going where you want it to? Well, trust me, I don't play nearly as much as I used to. So the balls don't go um, where I, where I think that they might anymore. Um, so, you know, I grew up playing golf, so I have a lot of memories of, you know, not handling disappointment well on the golf course and just, you know, coming off the course in tears in tournaments because I just didn't have a game that day or, or whatnot. Um, but I'm also so grateful for all of the lessons that just being in and around the game has taught me, you know, over the course of my career. So certainly being on the golf course with your kids is a lot different and it's way more fun than I could have ever imagined. Um, and it's, it takes the pressure off of you in that like, yeah, that shot wasn't as good or maybe I'm not playing, you know, to the level that I would like to think that I could play at, but look at my, you know, look at my son running up to his little team markers and making a decent swing and actually connecting with the ball. Like, every bad thing is less bad when they're out there with you. And it just makes that part of it so much more enjoyable. So, um, you know, in a, one of those passion projects that I would love to do 
um, and pick up again is uh, kind of like a brand called Mom Golfs. And because I think that there's, I, I obviously see the game a lot differently now than I did when I was in the PGA Tour offices or when I was playing in, in high school and college. So um, that point of view, I, if I can create some content around that and kind of just bring that viewpoint uh, to light, I think that that is something that's missing in the golf industry. I just have to carve out some time for myself to, uh, to do that and do it at the level that I would like to do that. I love it. I love it. All right, Lauren, one of the things I want our listeners to know is more about what you speak on and, and what you do in terms of your podcast and your show. So before we go, tell us a little bit about who you help speaking wise and then about your new podcast that just launched. Oh, thank you. Um, I Speaking wise, I stay pretty much in a social media, content marketing, digital media lane. Um, so I teach everyone from small business owners and nonprofits to um, marketing managers and, um, and some of the world's most interesting brands through Convince and Convert. I have a masterclass on social media that I teach at um, events and hope to launch online soon workshops and um, specific just breakout programs on like how to use social media to develop relationships like we talked about a little bit earlier how to use it for real-time content um, how to use social media within your organization or within your company to um, you know to achieve business goals because you and I were talking about it offline and I made the comment of like I teach social media I also don't believe it's like the end-all be-all um, so I kind of come at it from that point of view which is fun it's fun to bring that perspective to whether it's a small group um just a, a small team or you know speaking at a big conference and and saying like you know there's a, it's okay to question some of these things um so that's my kind of day-to-day and how i get paid but i also uh, just launched a podcast with a good friend of mine her name is ashley and we were best friends in college and recently kind of we kept in touch but uh, over the last what four or five years we've really reconnected especially as we started having kids and um, I was at her house in October and I was like you know what like this sounds ridiculous but I've been thinking about it for a year and one I need a reason to talk to you every week and two I think I think you would be the perfect person to do a mom's podcast with and would you want would you ever consider that? And she was like, oh my God, I wanted to do a podcast for a whole year. I have all of these ideas. Let me share them with you. Let's do it. So we've been working on that um, and just launched mombuns.life for the Mom Buns podcast. So we have the website. Um, we have an Instagram account, mombuns.life. And the Mom Buns podcast is really just sharing mom life. So it's, it's parenting, but it's also relationships. It's friendships um, and you know the struggle because we've discovered that moms have a lot to say. I love it. I love it. Mom buns, not to be confused with man buns uh, no. or our friend Scott. And, uh, uh, and buns as like the thing on top of your head, not the thing behind your behind you. So, which is oh, like other people have asked us that too, and I'm like, no, 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 like the thing on top of like your head one. that uh, like my even if I do my hair, like shower, do my hair, da da da. If I'm on stage, like the minute I step up off, the bun goes up. Like it's just my comfort object these days <laughs> and and your social media handle for anyone on instagram or twitter is yeah lauren t teague so it's two t's and then league is or teague is in league with a t that makes sense T -T. It, do it does we'll have it linked to the show notes if you're watching us on youtube it'll be right above uh lauren's video screen so be sure to reach out say hi you heard her she encouraged her encouraged you 
to comment and interact. So social media is social. Lauren, thanks for joining the show this week. Thanks, Jake. I'm always happy to spend time with you.